Today, as we start our new year, I was looking at a passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm still uh, struggling a little bit with my, my cold. Anyone get a cold over Christmas? Yeah. Well, it's not going to bother me today. And you said yes. So here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 we want to look at today. Um, I, let, let me just read it. There's so much to say. Let me just read it. Look at, put it up on the screen for me. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 14, it says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. A great passage. New year, new life. New life has begun. If you're a believer in Jesus and he is in you, then your life here on earth should be different. Amen? You're not the same as you used to be. There's new hope. There's new purpose, there's new power that, that lives now within you and lives within me. We now have the ability to conquer sin. We can take every thought captive. We can break the chain of every addiction that, that, that hinders us. These things are now possible. Somebody said yes. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Nothing controls us now, the word says, except the Holy Spirit. So we are free to live our lives motivated and directed by God's love. That's what Paul says here to the Corinthians. He says, he says um, that if uh, besides all this, he's talking about being God's ambassadors, but in verse 14 he says, either way, whatever you want to say, here's the bottom line, love controls us. This is his point. So we are free to live our lives motivated and directed by God's love. We are different than we used to be. We have this new nature. Look at verse 14. Just put that up for me. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Now, he died so that we could die. Now, I know we don't normally say that. We always say, 
he died so that we could live. And we'll get there. But he died so that we could die. Did you, do you know that? He died so that we could die too. When he died, when Jesus died, our old, nat- our old nature died with him. Look at what Paul says, Galatians chapter 2. He says, my old self, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's making this point again and again and again, that Christ died so that our old ways, our old nature, our old man, our old person could die. We now have a new nature. We are new people. Now, let's just get this straight so that we're not confused. We're not just reformed. We're we're not just rehabilitated. Uh Uh-huh. We actually are recreated. We are transformed into something new. Something new has begun. Our our old nature, our old sinful, selfish nature is gone, and we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. This happens when we accept and receive Jesus by faith. He doesn't just patch us up. He doesn't just make us a little bit more acceptable. No, what he does is he recreates us into something new. He says, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's something new has happened to us. So I just wanted to encourage us this year. As we face a new year, I want you to be reminded and be reminded myself that I am a new person, that I have a new nature, that I have been recreated with the, with the Holy Spirit who dwells within me, that I now can face things that I couldn't face before. I now have the ability to conquer the sin that remains in my life. I now have the ability to take every thought captive, right? I now have the ability to look at mountains in my life and say, before there was no hope, but now I have hope that this mountain can be moved. This is what he does to us. He changes us and makes us new. We're not just reformed or rehabilitated. We are literally recreated in Christ Jesus. We are new. We also uh, put up for me 15 to 17. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. So here's, here's my point today. One, we have a new nature. Two, we have a new beginning. A new life has begun. Along with the new nature, there's a new beginning. Not only did Jesus die so that we could die, but he died so that we could live. Uh-huh. Help me out now. It's first Sunday. I got a cold. I need your help now. All right? He died so that we could live. Look at Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new 
lives. He died so that we could die. But he died so that we could live. January is this month where <clears throat> most people try to make changes. In fact, I was reading that January is the, the one time of year. In fact, it's the, it's the biggest time of year that uh, people try to make the most changes in their life. At more than any other month. So February, March, April, May, all those months, people are trying to make changes in their life. But January is the month when it seems people are most motivated to make changes in their lives. So whether we make resolutions or not, they seem to be rather silly and pointless to me. But, you know, we say, oh, we need to lose weight. We need to get out of debt. We need to quit smoking. We need to, you know, get healthy. We need to do all these things. Gym membership shoots up through the roof in January. We'll check back in April how many are still going. You know, it, all these things happen this month. We use, my point is this, that we try to use the new year to motivate us to make a fresh start, to make a new beginning. We know that there's really no difference between December 31st and January 1st. It's, it, we just try to play mental games with ourselves to say, hey, it's a new year, time for me to do something new, right? And it's a good thing. I encourage you, use the new year to make a fresh start. But let me, let me explain this, that when we follow Jesus. He gives us a fresh start. Whether it's in January or July or September or October, when we find Jesus, he gives us a fresh start. When we follow him, we start out at a new beginning. Our new life has begun. It says, the old has gone and the new life has begun. There's a beginning right there. Someone once said, I can't remember who said it, but was a quote I picked up. Uh, he said, although nobody can go back and make a brand new start, anybody can start from now and make a brand new end. And, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. Nobody can go back and make a brand new start, but anybody can start from now and make a brand new end. But here's the thing. With Jesus, he actually allows us to make a brand new start. And th this is what I mean. All of us have regrets about things in our past, right? We wish we could change. We wish, you know, if we could just, just go back in time, we could redo so many things. And uh, there's, there's things in our lives. In fact, just as I say that, I, I've just thought of a few things I wish I could go back and change. You too? No lying in church, right? right? When you think back, you go, oh, man, I wish I could change that. Oh, I wish I could go back and redo that. But here's the thing. This is, what, this is what I want to encourage you with today. When we follow Jesus, he says this. The old life is gone. Gone. It, it's, it's gone. What does gone mean? Gone. It's a deep word. I encourage you to look it up afterwards. He says it's gone. This is what he says. It, it's gone. The old life, all those old regrets, all the old things, all the things you wish you could redo, it, it's, it's okay, because that life, it's gone. doesn't matter anymore. This is what he does. It, he says the old life is gone. Your record is clear, right? Your new beginning has arrived, and yes, you may live with regret. Yes, you may live with some pain. Yes, you may live with, with some consequence of a bad decision that you've made, but he, he's such a beautiful God that he has a way of redeeming your pain. 
He has a way of making cake out of something that was nasty, you know? Like, who you are, it says he's able to, to work all things for our good. He doesn't say that all things are good. He says that he's able to work all things for our good, right? So I, I, I tell people when you're talking about that, when you're making a cake from scratch, there's some ingredients that are nice to eat on their own. Like you could eat a little spoonful of sugar and that's not too bad. But I, I don't think eating a spoonful of flour is all that nice. Try the cinnamon challenge. Not when you have a cold, you'll die. But, but you know, it's not that nice to eat on its own. But guess what? You need the flour. You need the sugar. You need the baking soda. You need all the ingredients. And when they may not be nice on their own, but when they're put in the proper, done by somebody who knows what they're doing, not by me, but, but somebody who knows what they're doing, what comes out? Something good, right? And if you didn't put in the not good ingredients, the good product at the end would not be as good as it should be. It needed those bad ingredients, so to speak, to make it good. Listen, you, your life, yes, we all want to go back and make changes and we live with regret, but listen, that old life is gone. Let him redeem it. Let him use it. Let him empower it in your life that he never wastes your pain, that things that you've walked through now that you're healed and recovered and delivered in Jesus' name, it can be used for the glory of God, amen? That somebody's going to go through that and you can say, hey, let me help you because I walked through the same thing. Hey, let me tell you what happened to me. Hey, let me tell you what I did to help, my, you know, to help myself overcome and maybe this will help you. This is God making something good out of some painful decisions that we've made in our past. He is able to redeem it and qualify it and make it something good and useful. And so this is the thing that he does. He gives us this new beginning. He, he, our record is clear. Our new start has arrived. Jesus died so that we could live through him and, that, and so that we could live for him. And this is the new beginning that he's given us. Now, Paul, who wrote these words, he's a great example. He's a great example of, uh, I'm going to make it through. I'm a little bit hoarse, but I'm going to make it through, all right? Paul, who wrote these words, is such a fantastic example of someone who had a new beginning. Think about, those of you who know his story, think about the Apostle Paul. You can, you can see some of his story in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, but basically it's this. Paul starts out as a religious extremist. He's, 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 he's a crazy man who, he's this deeply, deeply committed religious person, but he's almost, uh, well, he is an extremist. He is. And he's going around and he's, he believes that anybody who believes in Jesus, anybody who calls themselves a Christ follower is wrong. They need to be eradicated. They need to be, they need to be dealt with harshly. So he's living this life of going around arresting and killing Christians. Anybody he could find who was going about doing this stuff and finding them and trying to get rid of them. In fact, he's there when they killed Stephen and all, all the things that happened there. But all of a sudden, one day, this religious extremist finds Jesus. 
On his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians, he runs into the man himself. And Jesus says, "Mm -mm. your old life is gone and your new life is beginning right now, my friend. You are called to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen to the Gentile nations. You will know what it means to suffer. You will know what it means to be in agony. But my grace will be sufficient and I will see you through. Your new beginning starts right now. This is what he did to him in a moment. His old life was gone and his new life began. Paul made this fantastic brand new start. The hunter of Christians became a follower himself. That's quite a 180, isn't it? Quite a turnaround. So Paul says now that he's controlled by God's love. He says, either way, I'm controlled by God's love. That I'm, 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 he was given this new beginning. He was given new eyes to see Jesus and to see people in a different way. And it reminded me that that really should be happening to us as well. That we see Jesus, Paul says, not from a human point of view anymore. No, we don't see him that way. We see him now as the son of God. We see him now as the savior of the world, the, the one that came, that was born of a virgin, that lived a sinless life, that died on the cross so that we could be free. We see him now as something different, not just from a human perspective. And, and as Paul began to understand who Jesus really was, as his eyes opened and understood in a deeper way the truth about Jesus and the gospel, he began to see people differently, didn't he? All of a sudden, he began to see people, not just Christians, but Gentiles, anybody, as people who were in need of God. He didn't see them as enemies. He didn't see them as people who needed to be thrown in prison. He, see, he saw them as people who were in need of a Savior. And it reminded me that when we look at people, let me challenge you, when we look at people this year, let's look at them through our new eyes. We are guilty many times of looking at people through our old eyes. And we are new people, new creation, given new eyes and a new perspective. Use it this year. As we look at people with our new eyes, we don't just see people as friends. We don't just see people as enemies. We don't just see people as customers or co-workers. We see them as lost sheep who need a shepherd. This is how we're to see them, through our new eyes. Uh-huh. This is the ministry of reconciliation, right? This is how we see people. And by the way, we also see people the way Jesus sees them, like Paul sees them. All of a sudden, people's value and worth shoots up through to the moon. This is something that people don't get about Christians and Christ followers, that we actually value people incredibly, incredibly high, right? Listen, Jesus loved people so much that he came to die for the world. That says something about how important we are to him, yes? And so what does that say to us about how we're to treat others and look at others? He sees people now as valuable. He sees people as important, and we need to see that too. We need to see them like Jesus sees them. We need to have that, that turnaround like Paul where he saw enemies and people who deserve to die. Instead, in one moment, in one encounter with Jesus, 
He turns and now sees people and loves them and is completely motivated by God's love. He had a massive new beginning. And listen, it has to happen with us as well. We have to see people that way. We have to see people as valuable, important. We have to realize that so many people, everybody around us virtually needs this new beginning. They need this. Whether they understand it or not, they still need it. Our relationship with Jesus, by the way, should also impact how we see our fellow believers. Now, sometimes we don't agree. Sometimes we don't like each other. Sometimes, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But here's the thing. We have to stop evaluating each other on the basis of our education, of our race. It's nonsense. We need to stop judging people on how much money they have or the position they have in life. It's, it's wrong. It's all wrong. We need to see people, as especially believers, that we are all brothers and sisters, part of a new creation, part of a new beginning, part of a new family that God is putting together on this earth. We need each other. We need each other bad. And here's the thing. We all stand on level ground. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Doesn't matter who you are, the color of your skin, or how much money's in your bank account. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. And when we find Him, we all have found the level ground of forgiveness as we stand before Him at the cross. We are sinners who have found a new beginning in Jesus Christ. This is why treating people and loving people and seeing each other as valuable and worthy is vital to the ministry that we've been given. Because if I don't think you're important, then I'm not going to spend any time thinking about you, praying for you, trying to help you, trying to do anything for you, because I think you're worthless. But when I think you're beautiful, when I think you're made in the image of God, when I see you as someone who's deeply loved by God, and I'm called to love you and treat you the same way, all of a sudden my perspective changes, doesn't it? Everything changes. Look at what Paul said in Galatians 3. He said, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. So listen, here it is. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the perspective that we must fight to keep. We always want to look at people and judge people through different eyes. But I'm asking you that this year, we need to look at people through the eyes of Christ. We need to look at people through the new eyes that you've been given, believer of God. Look through those eyes and stop looking through your old eyes. Because it will change how you treat people. It will change your ministry and impact to people. It will change your effectiveness for the kingdom. Everything starts by this. It is very, very important. So here's the purpose now. So we have a new nature. We have a new beginning. And, and last, he says, we have a new purpose. Our purpose is changed now. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. He says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. We're speaking the words of Christ. He's given us this ministry. We make the plead through him. We're being used by him. This is our purpose now. God has given us the task of reconciling people back to himself. Now, every time we talk about this, I'm dropping water on myself here. Every time we talk about this now, people are going to say, yeah, I, okay, pastor, sure, I get it. But, you know, like, it's really not my gift. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just not that charismatic. I'm just not that bold. I'm, I'm, I'm just not that upfront. I, I just don't have that kind of personality. Well, take your argument up with God himself. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It says we have been given this wonderful message. Yes, we're all different. Yes, we're all going to do it different. Yes, people, you know, like uh, Mr. Applenocker, he'll walk up to somebody in Tim's and go, hey, are you born again? Are you going to heaven? Let's sit down and talk about that. Well, that might freak you out, but maybe there's a way that you can start that conversation with somebody at work. Maybe there's a conversation that's waiting to be had. Maybe there's ways that you've, you've found, you've, you get so tricky about it now that you've found ways to stick down to yourself out of having those conversations. Ooh, that, that was just God right there. I never thought about that till right now. That was for you, somebody. We need to stop stick handling ourselves out of the conversation. Find a way to stick handle ourselves into the conversation. You have been given a wonderful message that the world needs to hear. Do it your way. Do it your speed. Do it through your gifts, your contacts, your life. But your life is under a mission. He calls us an ambassador, that we represent him, that we say what the leader says to say, that we hold the position that the leader holds, that we view people the way that the leader looks at people. We are his ambassador, his mouthpiece, his tool, his instrument, his vessel to bring his message of love to the world who needs to hear it. All believers are to be reconcilers. And because of our rebellion and sin, we've lost our connection to God. This, this is what's happened to us, right? We've lost the friendship. We lost the relationship that we had with him at the very beginning. And through his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus has brought us back together again. He has reconciled us back to the Father. Reconcile is an interesting word. It, it can mean many different things, but you understand the basic meaning. But one of the things that reconcile means is it means to change thoroughly. Reconcile means to change thoroughly. It means to change for the better a relationship between two or more people. And so when 
Paul is talking here to the Corinthians, he's clearly referring to this changed relationship between God and humanity, that we need to be reconciled back to God, right? We're the ones that walked away, not him. We're the ones that need to be brought back, right? He's, he's been there waiting the whole time. We're the ones that need to change. We're the ones that need to, to, to find the road back. And so our message of reconciliation for those of us who have discovered this and live this way and know that this is what the world needs, our, recon- our, our message of reconciliation, it goes something like this, okay? I was thinking about this and use this for what it's worth. It goes something like this. God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world. His son came not to condemn us, but he came to save us. He lived a life of humility and service. He set an example for us how we should be living and how we should be treating others and how we should be viewing others. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He was condemned so that we could be forgiven. He was punished so that we could receive pardon. He was whipped so that we could be made whole. He was crucified so that we could be made right. He died so that our old selves could die and our new lives could begin. He gave us something new. He has come to give us a new beginning. Our past regrets, our past mistakes no longer define us. They no longer have to haunt us or hold us back. For the old is gone and hope has been given and it is new and powerful. His mercy is fresh and hope and peace and joy and love have been restored and we don't get it without him. This is the message. This is the message. And I don't know about you, but it's a wonderful message. Paul says it, the Bible says it. This is a wonderful message. It's a powerful message. It's a transformative message. It is everything that people need to hear. God has not declared war on the world. We are living in the year of the Lord's favor, the Bible says. We talked about that over Christmas. That He, he wants to bring peace. He's, the time will come when it won't be this way, but now we are still living in the year of the Lord's favor. Satan is the one who wants to come and tear everything apart. He's the one that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the message of Jesus that we have been commanded to share is about reconciliation. It's about bringing things back together again. It's about restoring us back to the Father. It's about about bringing people home where they really belong. People need to hear this message. It's our responsibility to say it, to speak it. It's our privilege, by the way, to do this. Don't see it as a burden. See it as a privilege that you have found something that the world needs to hear. And you are Christ's ambassador set out into this world to represent him and to speak this message with all of the giftings and all of the intelligence and all of the love and the mercy that he has poured into your own life. 
it is our responsibility, it is our privilege that we have been given such an important job from Almighty God Himself. We need to be bolder to share this. We have a wonderful message to deliver. We need to start delivering it. And so I encourage you, we have a new year. We have a new life. We have a new beginning. And we have a new purpose.